We're doing something different tonight. <laughs> doing something different. We're both going to be on here and we're going to interrupt each other politely, gently, and uh, just look at some of the themes in the book of James. We invite you, of course, to follow along. Hopefully some of you have had your heads and hearts, minds and feet in the book of James. I say feet because it said you've got to be doers of the word, okay? So I hope that's what you've been doing, reading along. Uh, tonight, we are going to look at some themes together. But before we do that, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. You are with us in this room right now, whether we know it, feel it, or believe it. You're a God who said to your people, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so, Lord, we long for God to be in our speech, in our hearing, and in our obedience. Spirit of the living God, have your way with us tonight. Amen. Welcome to the people online. You want to give them a welcome? Because I always forget. So give them a welcome. I don't know where you are, but hopefully your day has been warmer than our day. So, Danny, I think that uh, we had some themes to look at. And uh, we tossed a coin, theoretically speaking, and you're starting. Yeah. And I'm interrupting. Okay. <laughs> so one of the um, powerful themes that emerges through the book of James, and we talked about this uh, two weeks ago when we introduced the, the book of James, is this idea of wisdom. Now, James is actually leaning a lot on his understanding of the Old Testament scriptures, but he's also relying a lot on his relationship with Jesus. And... At this point in time in his story, he writes a book and he's trying to encourage uh, the followers of Jesus at the time to be able to spend time uh, encouraging one another, but also developing this idea of what it means to live with wisdom. And so leaning on the Old Testament then, it's important to know what wisdom uh, looks like in the Old Testament scriptures. And one of, the, one of my favorite um, little verses is in Exodus, um, where the... Uh, there's a, an opportunity to, for some craftsmen to put some things together uh, as they um, leave Egypt and as they prepare to be a, a community of, of uh, followers of God uh, through practical ways. And one of the things that uh, this, this uh, passage says is that God gave uh, chokmah, which is the, the Hebrew word for wisdom, which is also really uh, interestingly linked with the idea of having skill. And so one of the things that's important for us as we talk about James and as we talk about wisdom is that wisdom doesn't discriminate. In other words, wisdom is available for all people. It's not just for the smart ones or the ones with gray hair um, or that are older or more knowledgeable. That's not how we think about wisdom when it comes to James and what he's talking about. And so he's saying wisdom is available for everyone and you can ask God for wisdom on how to make good choices in life. And I think that's the most important theme in the idea of wisdom, that it's not about smart or knowledge, it's about the ability to make good choices in life. Yeah, you've come on to the moral aspect of mm -hmm. wisdom pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just want to say again that the wisdom of God is a little bit different from what Danny just said. 
Each one of you are skilled in certain ways. Great guitar players over here, great musicians, great apprentices, builders, doctors, nurses, teachers, skilled in letter writing, unlike James, remember, and essay writing. So that's skills there, but it's a moral choice that we make. That's the moral part, eh? Yeah. And uh, so a wise person just doesn't live with the skills. They make good choices. Yeah. I'm uh, wondering, Danny, mm -hmm. oh, you want to go Well, here? I was just going to say, I've just drawn a heart here. I'm just going to draw a line. And if we think about our lives as, as being our hearts, then actually there's the practical um, daily choices, but there's also the, the stuff that we need to deal with that's underneath. And that's what I'm getting to with the moral side okay. of things. Okay. Yeah. So you think a wise person is someone who makes wise choices? Yes, good choices. Good choices. Yeah. Have, has there ever been time when you've really not made a good choice? Oh, heaps. Yeah, lots of times. But actually, as, as I think of... You haven't fallen apart, though. No, I haven't fallen apart. And one of the stories that I think probably hits me the most is actually through the lens of my parents. So one time I was... Um, uh, keen, I was, a, I was a young person, keen to hang out with the young adults who had driver's license. We lived in a small, um, with a small uh, Christian community, with a small youth group, and I just wanted to be with them, the cool people. And one night, um, I asked my parents, is it okay, one of the girls has just got a driver's license, there's five of us that are going to go for a drive, I'll see you later. And they said, no, 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 you're not going. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, well, why not? This is, this is a fun thing, we're just going to take a new car out for a drive. And they said, no, we don't think that's a good idea. The next morning, we heard that she had rolled the car down an embankment into like a small creek. And one of the things that struck me was one of those friends that was in the car said, if you had come with us, I was the tallest out of the group, if you had come with us, I don't think you would have survived. And so for me, it hit me, the fact that my parents were practicing the skill of parenting. And I think that's what we mean by wisdom. There is wisdom in playing, there's wisdom in crafting, there is wisdom in parenting, there is wisdom in working. And it really struck me that I was leaning on the wisdom of my parents that I didn't like at the time, but they were being good parents. That's great. Mm. James was pretty wise because he spent a lot of time knowing the scriptures because he grew up with Jesus but didn't believe. And uh, he saw Jesus at work. So he knew the words. He knew the proverbs. He knew even the teachings of Jesus. And he had to learn. Once he realized that Jesus had risen from the dead and proven that he was God as far that everything he said was true, James got on board. And so he too had to make some wise choices. And his choice was to call Jesus Christ his Lord and Saviour, and not just his brother. How about that? That's pretty wise. It reminds me of a word that I've discovered over this year, because I knew in April we were doing these series, so I bought myself a little book, Wisely So, Shrewdly So, and it had lots of stuff, so I'd just been studying. It's just got James in, that's all, studying, and I came across this one word. I'm going to write it up here, because I always believed that this word was a negative word. You too? Someone shrewd. You know, I think of the uh, Jewish person in the Shakespeare story. Which play was that one? Merchant of Venice. Merchant of Venice story. Okay, I think a shrewd like that. 
you know, working things to get way, your own way. But what I discovered is it means that you plan, because the Proverbs say in our hearts and minds we plan. We make plans, but we don't live as if that's the end. They have to be open so that God can have room to be God. And it's not all about us. And there's a section in uh, James where he picks that up. And, and to me, it was always a funny verse because I grew up with Christians saying, you've got to say, if God wills, if God wills. You know, there's the verse that says, don't boast about tomorrow because you don't know what is going to happen. And so people would go around and say, oh, you can't make plans because you don't know what's going to happen. So you make plans and you say, if God wills. But really what it's saying is be shrewd, be wise. Make good plans from good choices with wisdom, but be open to what God would do. I didn't plan my life to be here teaching you. But as I journeyed with the choices I made and with the decisions, there was openness for God to do his work. Yeah, and I like the link that you made to um, James's understanding of Proverbs. And I think the book of Proverbs is a really wonderful place to, to spend some time I remember, I think it was Billy Graham who used to read a proverb a, a, a day. It was just his regular uh, rhythm or, or a chapter of Proverbs. And in Proverbs, we have this phrase, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I thought, mm, what, what do we do with that? How did James approach this idea of fear of the Lord? And I think what's important here is this un understanding of what it means to be in a relationship with God whose aspect one of his characteristics is wisdom. Now, if you want to spend time with, the, with, with God in his attributes, one of those being wisdom, when the proverb says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, what we're invited into is in a re, into a relationship with God. And the word fear isn't so much about being afraid or being scared, but rather this healthy relationship to actually lean on a God who is willing to provide of himself through wisdom, in order for me to make good things happen in life. Danny, we talked also about Proverbs introducing the concept of lady wisdom. Yeah. That's pretty big deal. It's quite eh? profound. So we have this, uh, the, the book of Proverbs, there is this father-son relationship that happens. It's like a, someone who is mature, who's gone through life, is offering wisdom to his child, and that's juxtaposed with Proverbs 8, which is this idea of lady wisdom. It's what we call personification. So uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful technique, I think, that the Old Testament writers used in order to bring to life this relational aspect of God. And so you've got the father-son relationship on one side, and then you've got this, this uh, lady wisdom that makes herself available and present in all of our days. And it's an amazing picture that weaves its way through the Old Testament scriptures. It's great. Wisdom, biblically speaking, has two feet on the ground. You agree with that? Yeah. It's how you live, living out your choices, walking with God, knowing that. But the Greeks in actually introduced a different word because they spoke Greek and not Hebrew. Why wouldn't they? And they introduced a word called Sophia. You've probably heard some girls called that name, Sophia.
But slowly, their idea of wisdom creeped into the early church and even into our societies today, where wisdom is more about a ivory tower experience. You know what I mean by that? It's in the head. It's about people who stand there and study and write all these books that we never read. But you've got to study if you do degrees in that. So that idea of wisdom uh, that Paul actually kept talking about, about making sure you're grounded, as does James. He wants to keep us earthed in wisdom. And so he says, don't go off into your head stay with your heart. Yeah, and perhaps that's a wonderful opportunity to read in James chapter 3, if you want to read that along with me, James chapter 3 from verse 13, um, there's a little heading that's an extra editorial thing that happens with um, the publishers, but it's actually simply called Two Types of Wisdom, and this is kind of a little category, and so James uses these words, so James chapter 3 verse 13 who is wise and understanding among you? It's a question. Who is wise? And then he provides the answer. Let them show it by their good life, by the choices that you make, also by the deeds, as in what you do in your day-to-day. That's the wise person. And he goes on to say, it's done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, inverted commas, does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, even demonic, which is an interesting oh, word. Wow. <laughs> Verse 16, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. Let me go on, a few, two more verses. Verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. There's some amazing words in there. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the d- demonic thing for, for a bit? I'm oh, putting you on the spot. Yeah, you're putting me on the spot here. We didn't talk about this, but we didn't talk about <laughs> anything, so it's all right. Um, the demonic thing has got to do a lot with the fact that why do we have war in Gaza, Israel, Ukraine, Russia, nearly every country in Africa, mm. a lot of other countries? Why? Yeah. Because there's dis order in our world Mm -hmm. and we chose to give our, well our parents did, called Adam and Eve way back then uh, chose to live apart from God God is a God of order and God wants to order our lives and as soon as there's this chaotic disorder, because I think it says there that uh, I can't find that verse now, of course I can't that there is order there and this is what comes from God is order, what comes from the demonic or the evil, the roots that are there as we move away from God we live a chaotic life and the devil and his demons are the authors of chaos. So when you want peace and when you want wellness and wholeness, you get attacked with chaotic, disordered thinking, which is straight from 
the demonic. Does yeah. that help? Yeah. And I like how, again, that links back to Proverbs, because in Proverbs, there's almost, it's not a 100% guarantee, but actually the wise people end up with a, a better life. A wholeness. A wholeness that comes from that. Yeah. And so that's maybe one of our words that we were going to unpack a little bit. Let's go there because how do you get wise? (laughs) Not by sitting at a desk and studying all day. Hooray, you say, eh? That's not how you get wise. Remember, it's rooted, it's grounded, it's earthy, it's from above, it's from relationship. But if you look at that verse in uh, chapter one, mm-hmm. it's probably the well-known and you get quoted at first and we'll go on to talk about trials and tribulations in a minute. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds for the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And steadfastness, when it has its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, there are big words there, but the most important thing to say out of this, and I'm going to pick it up in a minute, is that word endurance. The person who is wise is the one who endures temptations and trials. You got that? Now, that is a beautiful Greek word, hupomeno, which means two words. The first one is stand up. And the last one is meno, I remain. Stand up in a remaining position with God. Stand up. And sometimes that word is translated steadfast, and sometimes it's translated endure. But what it means is when the trials come, I am going to endure. You know, yesterday I was doing a job, just a little job, and I thought, I'm pretty hopeless at times. I start things and don't finish. So I thought, I'm going to finish this one, (laughs) cleaning the oven. I'm not going to walk away until it's done. And then I did another one, instead of going backwards and forwards and pottering around. So that was a good example of what endurance is. Stand up, finish it, and that is how you become mature. Not age-related, not grey hair-related, not sitting and studying, but standing up under the pressure. I think you've got some averse with that. We talked about that. Well, I think the, there's a connection here with what Jesus talks about when he talks about remaining in me. So there's a link, isn't there, with remain and abide. Exactly the same word. Exactly the yeah. same word in Greek. So in chapter 15 of uh, the Gospel of John, Jesus uses a, a metaphor or a picture of the grape and the grapevine. And he says, remain in me and I will remain in you. And there's only a handful of verses, and that word comes up over and over again, something like seven or eight times, remain in me, and I will remain in you. If you remain in me, then there'll be some good things that happen. You will bear fruit. People will be able to tell that you are my disciples if you remain in me. So there's a wonderful connection, again, what James is saying in this particular uh, passage with the picture of interconnectedness with the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. In my mind, I'm just thinking about making choices and perhaps there's, a, there's the fact that we're going to experience trials and temptation. Do you want to speak on that a little bit? Because that's pretty heavy. <laughs> that's pretty heavy. Did you know it's exactly the same Greek word? Count it all joy when you have 
the same Greek word, trials. And then later in the text in chapter 1, it says, don't let anyone say when he's tempted that he's tempted of God. Don't let anyone say when you come to trials that these trials come from God. Okay? Now, a lot of us think that God sends us trials in this world to teach us. That's a pretty pathetic picture of God, I believe. And I hear often, I don't know what God's teaching me. Well, God doesn't work like that. Okay? God is your parent God, Father God is love, God is kind, and God is not out to produce trials. Remember when we talked about that demonic thing? The chaotic world in which we live, and according to another passage in scripture, the prince of this world, the chaos that we live in, is Satan. Satan's name is liar, and as soon as you get lies going into your life... It's easy to believe them because they're ingrained so much that it's sometimes easier to believe lies that produce chaos telling me to get over it or to do it my way than it is to stand up and say, I am going to endure this chaotic trial and the testing of my faith, believing that I can find God in this and through it means that I will be a person, James says, who's blessed. Mm. I'll have the smile of God on me. Mm. I think he says more than blessed, doesn't he? Mm. What about the crown of life? Yeah, crown of life is an interesting picture. So there seems to be this idea of blessing that comes into the picture as well. So we have wisdom that is available to us, but there's a guarantee. Jesus said that we would experience trials and temptation. And there's a perhaps another nod, if you like, to the life and death of James. And that's why we spent a little bit of time in the first week trying to unpack a little bit about who this person was, because actually he was writing. If you remember, I think, was it you that said poor essay writer? Yeah. And um, I talked about Martin Luther describing the book of James as the epistle of, do you remember? The epistle of straw, because he didn't like it very much. But actually, it doesn't quite fit into the epistle letter-writing category because James is actually mindful of not just only a, a small community of people, he's actually mindful of the, of the church throughout uh, Israel and so uh, Jerusalem. And so what he's saying here is that look at my life because I've been looking at the life of Jesus and Jesus endured trials and temptations. And actually, I... I would say that he was writing this in the sense that he was going to experience some trials or was experiencing, and he could see the churches around him experiencing trials and tribulation. And he would end up becoming a martyr. He would end up being murdered probably soon after he wrote this letter. So we have this uh, amazing cycle, if you like. There's wisdom that is available. There's trials. And then there's an invitation that, that he says, endure, and then on this side, there's this sense of blessing or the crown of life. And joy. He and throws joy. in joy, yeah, doesn't joy. he? I was going to write joy. Oh, yeah, of course you were. <laughs> Good. So I think there's an opportunity here, uh, and there's another Greek word which is more in line with this idea of what is the end goal. So what is the purpose? What is the, the, the process of becoming mature in light of the trials that I'm experiencing. 
And I think sometimes in our quick fix society, I want wisdom and I want the blessing, okay, straight away. There's a connection. There's a line that goes this way. This is, this is how I want to live my life. I want to be wise. I want to make good choices. And I want to live with the blessing of those opportunities. And I skip all of these elements that are part of the story. Now, that might mean that if I, if I ignore this, if I want to get rid of the trials and temptations, if I want to not practice endurance like he says we should, then maybe there's not as much joy here. Maybe I'm not meant to avoid the trials and temptations. Maybe Jesus, through James, is inviting us to say, come into this with me because I've been here before and I know the way out. That's great. You did introduce us to a word, which we'll probably pick up next week. I started to write it in Greek. Sorry about that. Teleos. Seven times it's in the book mm-hmm. of James. And it's translated differently nearly every time. But in this verse that we're talking about, uh, in James 1, consider it all joy when you face trials. Endure and you shall be complete and whole. That word complete or perfect, as it's translated in some scriptures, is this word, which means you'll enjoy the wholeness and fullness and the blessing of God. It means come into maturity. You want that? Be mature. So we'll unpack that word next week, but you want to be mature as a 17-year-old? You can be a mature 17-year-old. You don't have to be a mature 49. You don't have to be bigger than your age. You just are mature where you are at your age group, okay? That is the maturity that we need in our congregation, enjoying the blessing, enjoying the joy, and enduring. You want to finish anything off there? Well, I was just thinking um, of a question, really, to to ask you, and that is, what's, what's what's the point of all of this, then? So why are we talking about wisdom? Why are we talking about doing life in this context? What would be the goal for us in a, in a place like this to think about doing life this way? How would you answer? I think I should ask them. Okay. Because that's why they turn up, isn't it? Why on earth do you come? My mum made it. Your mum made it. She's a wise mum. She's giving choice. And you are here because she made you, hoping that you would become mature. You know, the goal is to enjoy his joy. God is not a sad, pathetic guy up there that's seeing how sad he can make your life, sending this trial and this one and that one. He wants you to have joy, to endure, and so that in this chaotic world you can have wisdom and you can learn to live like that. Is, is that okay? Yeah. But they've probably got better answers than me, so I'll ask them later. <laughs> I, I just want to offer just one closing comment, yeah. um, and then we'll pray. But um, And you can close as well. But I think I'm coming back to Jesus. I can't get too far away from Jesus in this. And Jesus came along, and he actually unraveled a lot of the layers, if you like, that the religious societies had put in place at the time. And it was all getting very complex in terms of the law, who was right, who was wrong, who had the best heart, if you like, who looked the best part. And he came along, and we read this in Matthew, I think it's chapter 22, and he says, one of the questions was, what's the greatest commandment? And it was a trick question. And Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God, and also there's a second one that he's connecting now, is to love your neighbor as yourself. 
And so James picks this up. And the idea of wisdom, if you like, the idea of living a good life is always going to be in the context of what it means to do life with others because that's what Jesus had in mind the whole time. He said, if you want to do, if you want to live a good life, if you want to practice being a disciple of Jesus, inevitably the choices that you make are going to impact the lives of the people around you. And it's either going to be a good choice or it's not going to be a good choice. Can you love the Lord your God, as Jesus asked us to, and can you love your neighbor? And I think James is weaving this in his understanding of what it means to follow Jesus and to be a really good disciple of his. He actually quotes that one. Mm -hmm. He says, the royal law, the royal law, that's what he calls it. And he says that it is to love your neighbor. He even forgets the love your God bit because people were saying they love God, but they were forgetting that life is about others as well together in community. You're going to pray? Yeah. Why don't we all stand? Let's pray together. And so, Lord, I I just uh, am just aware of uh, your presence with us through your Holy Spirit and just a wonderful opportunity to have some space and time to dive into uh, the book of James and what it means to uh, lean on him because he knew how to lean on you well. And when it comes to wisdom, Father, and the the themes that we've talked about today, Lord, I ask that you would give us soft hearts. We have a picture of a heart on the whiteboard. Lord, I pray that you uh, would see what's in our hearts and that you would give us greater capacity to be able to be alert to what you're doing in all of our lives, in our hearts, but also alert to the things that are happening around us through the lives of the people that we do life with. And so, Lord, we've talked about maturity. We've talked about the process of enduring. We've talked about trials and uh, temptations. Father, we all have our own stories here tonight. And so, Lord, may our, our story would be one of joy. No matter what we're going through, would we be able to lean on you, Jesus, and use us to be able to point others towards you as well? Lord, we give you permission. We ask for soft hearts. We ask for you to be uh, working, even though we might not see it, even though we might not feel it. Lord, I pray that we would be able to uh, see um, in each other how you're working and the, the, the process of becoming more like you each day. So, Lord, we thank you for wisdom. And perhaps there are friends here tonight that are thinking about different things that need to happen for them. Uh, and James invites us to ask you. And so we're asking you, Lord. Where there is wisdom needed tonight, would you give it freely? Where there is love needed tonight, would you give it freely? Where there is someone that needs to turn to you more deeply, would you draw near to them? And so, Lord, we just want to become better disciples of you. And as we continue to sing, I pray that what you find be pleasing to you, especially the things that we're carrying, all the good things, all the challenging things, all the bad things as well. Thank you for being able to do life with us in the context of community. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a seat. We're back next week, God willing. You like this format better? Okay, thank you. Thank you.